Well, we just sang it. We look to the sun, but we all know that there are so many things that are vying for our attention, for our affection, for our allegiance. But the Bible tells us that we need to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And when God is finished, it's good. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm looking around. If we have any children, um, do we have any children? doesn't look like it, so I don't even have to worry about dismissing. What I can do is have you greet one another. So take a couple of minutes and greet one another. Uh, the video you saw at the beginning of service, I just want to fill you in about a couple of things that have been going on. Um, Mitzi and Mike, Mike went through a really, really difficult time where um, they, they were looking at the possibility of him dying. And um, as we've found out about it, we've been praying and uh, God is raising him up and restoring him. And it's, it's really a miracle. And so we need to just thank God that he is a miracle working God. And continue to pray for them and for all those that are in need. I mean, there's no, there's no lack of people needing prayer. But we as God's people, the Bible says that Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. This building is not his house. You are his house. And we need to be praying. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm going to uh, share something with you, um, a saying that I think you know the uh, last part of it. I'll just share the first part. You can't judge a book by? That's right. Now, that's a, that's a statement, but how many of you know that we do? We, we do this a lot. We, we look and make a snap judgment, which is a prejudgment. We've been hearing about that, which is a prejudice. And, and it's very common to us because we tend to walk by what we see, what we can comprehend. We rely a lot on our opinions. And um, the Bible tells us we're to walk by sight, right? Oh, hold it. Oh, I'm getting it wrong. I need help. Walk by what? Faith, Faith and... Oh, not by sight. But we've been raised up all of our lives until we come to Christ and learn what the Bible tells us and begin to realign and adjust our lives. We tend to walk by sight. We, we make evaluations. We look at things, make evaluations, having nothing but what we see. And how many of you know what you see is not everything? Some of you are afraid to admit that. But we, we don't see completely. There are things that are hidden, that are unknown to us. But 
there's one who sees completely, there's nothing hidden, and who is that? Oh, don't get so excited. God, absolutely God. I'm telling you, that's such good news. Because you and I can look at something, have a perception of something, uh, think we know and understand, but God knows completely. He's not fooled by anything. And in this world, is anybody out to fool anybody? I know, obvious question. I'm going to ask these at various times throughout the service because what I want you to do is I want you to, that's a pause moment, think about it, and realize, oh my gosh, yeah, there are all sorts of people out there, all sorts of things out there trying to misrepresent. And the Bible tells us in these days, which are the last days, many will be deceived. Deception is rampant. And, and the only way not to be deceived is to know what truth is. And the only one who knows truth without limitation is who? God. God. And so we need God's help in these times to keep ourselves from being deceived. Because where there's deception, does anybody remember? Yes, thank you. I am so encouraged by that. Yeah, where there's deception, there's loss. When we're deceived about what's going on or what somebody is or, or anything, we're going to miss out on what God has. And so we, we need to be aware of, of seeing things clearly, but with the understanding that we're incapable apart from God. And so we've been, we've been uh, last week we started a series called Seeing Truly. And uh, we looked at some foundational scriptures, and this morning we're going to jump back and, and look again at, at a couple of them. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 20 in the Amplified, it says this, You've seen many things, but you don't observe or apprehend their true meaning. Now, whether, whether you and I agree with that or not, this is the Bible, right? <laughs> this is participation. It's the Bible. Is the Bible true? Okay. So whether we believe this or not, whether we, we agree with this or not, this is true. We see a lot of things, but we do not observe or apprehend their true meaning all the time. So that means that there is a degree of deception that's going on in our lives, which is causing loss. We're losing things in our lives that God gave his son that we would be able to have this abundant life, but it's being robbed from us because we think we know what we're seeing and we don't. But that's a tough thing to admit, isn't it? None of us want to say, yeah, I, I, I know I don't know. Because what do we want to say? I know. Well, I know. I, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in counseling where talking with people and I'll tell them, they'll, they'll, I've got this problem, this is going on. And, and Pastor Gabe and I, or Debbie and I, or whoever it is with me, you know, will say, but, you know, this is what you need to do. I know. I almost want to jump back, but I don't want to shock them. But what I'll say is, okay, if you know it, why don't you do it? Oh, yeah, that's an uncomfortable pause, isn't it? Because if we say we know and we believe it, but we don't do it, we're lying to ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. And none of us are immune to this. All of us do this to ourselves. 
at times. But we also have somebody who assists us in this. And that's the enemy. He wants you and me to be deceived in these days so that we won't walk in the fullness of what God has. And so we need to realize we've seen many things and we will see many things, but we will not observe or apprehend, comprehend the true meaning of it. We'll get partially right, but the only one that gets it right completely all the time is God. And so we're going to need God's help in these days to see truly what's going on. Because without that, that deception continues to rob us. Rob us of the blessings of the people around us. Look around today. You at home, you can look around. You're going to see the back of heads of most people. Uh, but look around. And, and as you look around, there are some people that you know. You're like, hey, yeah, I know Carol Barney. I know Carol Mesa. I know Karen Byrne. And I do. These people have been a part of my life for years. And amazingly enough, they're still here. <laughs> but I know the incredible gifts and blessings they are. Some of you was just telling me this past week about how Karen Byrne was part of how this person got saved when they were in a production of Godspell. I'm telling you, incredible gifts. But when you look around and you don't know somebody, you're missing the gift that God has in them. And they are. They're a gift given by God. And they're a treasure. And yet if we don't see it, we go without the blessing and the gift that God put right in our lives that's right under our nose and we don't realize it. And we kind of talked about that last week and I'll get into that a little later, but we talked about David and, and how uh, God was telling the prophet Samuel that he was going to have a new king raised up. And he told Samuel to go to Jesse's house and choose, have Jesse's boys pass in front of him because one of Jesse's boys was the next king. And so he went to, to Jesse's house and, and Jesse had his boys there and they all passed in front of him. And, and Samuel thought the first one passing in front of him, this must be the new king. And God said, no, 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 that's, that's not, not him. And as a matter of fact, this next scripture is 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. It says this. It says, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for a man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So we see right here how we see is what we've relied on all of our lives, but we don't see the way the Lord does. We look on the outward. God looks on the inward. And as, as Samuel was looking on the outward, he thought that the first son of Jesse must be the new king. And God said, no. And then said this. And so Samuel had all Jesse's sons come in front of him. And, and he, was, he was kind of in a quandary because he said, do you have any more boys? And Jesse was like, yeah, we had the run of the litter. He didn't say that. But he didn't think high enough of David to bring him in. David was out in the field watching the sheep. And Samuel said, well, bring him in. And David came in and God said, that's the one. Jesse, David's father, his brothers, even Samuel didn't initially see the king and the kid. But God did. And I'm going to tell you right now, God sees the treasure and the potential in every human being. 
And the only way we're going to experience that which God has provided and prepared is to be looking with God's eyes, seeing the way God sees. Because if we don't, we're going to lose out. So man looks on the outward appearance. And guess what? The Bible tells us how the enemy, Lucifer, Satan, operates. It says in 2 Corinthians, and this won't be up on your screens, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, Satan presents himself, transforms himself into, anybody know? An angel of light. Well, why would he do that? How do we depict Satan in, in most settings? What, how is he depicted? Yeah, he's got horns. He's got a camouflage suit so you can't see him too well. Oh, yeah, a red suit. See him from miles. Pitchfork. I mean, it's, it's very easy to pick him out. But that's how deceived we are because it says he's not coming that way. He's coming as an angel of light. And if we saw how he would present himself, we'd be like, ooh, hey, wow. And we'd be starting to move towards him because of how we perceive things. And it's, it's his characteristic, the way he operates. In the Garden of Eden, when he was tempting Eve and Adam, he presented the fruit. And the very thing it says in Genesis chapter 3 was Eve looked at it and it looked good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes. What does that deal with? The appearance. The appearance. Look good for food, pleasant to the eyes. Man, what's he doing? He's setting the hook. Because we rely on how we view things and we don't see everything. We see things in part. We don't see them fully and truly the way God does. We can't depend on our own ability to recognize either potential or problem. But that's a hard thing, isn't it? Because if, if I can't rely on me to see the potential in someone or the problem in something, that means I can't just go on and do life the way I want to do it. I need to adjust how I live. I can't just go my merry way and, and operate in what I think is best. Because, you know, in Proverbs, two places in Proverbs, the Bible says there's a way that appears right unto man. Anybody know what the rest of that is? Whose end is the way of death. That ought, to, that ought to just rattle us to the place where we say, man, I can't go by my own sight. I got to walk by faith. I've got to walk by dependence on God, on his word and on his spirit. Because the Bible says the spirit of God in Galatians will lead us and guide us into all truth. Maybe it's not in Galatians. Well, it does say that, but I'm not sure of the address. But the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you into all truth. And what does truth do in our lives? Sets us free and keeps us free. So if we're not perceiving things accurately and, and we're not walking in that truth, 
we're moving into the realm of lies, which is a deception, which is going to cause us to experience loss. And if truth brings freedom, the lack of truth brings incarceration, brings a limitation. And so we, we need to be very, very aware of this. So if we don't see things clearly, but God sees things clearly, but he doesn't look the way we look, how do we do this? In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10, it says this. <clears throat> I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. Now, when I read this and, and when I first found this, I was like, ooh, oh, no. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I always, always try to be honest with you. But there were times in my life I did what I did, not because it was necessarily the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do, but I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I, I wanted to appear certain ways in people's eyes. I was more concerned about what people thought of me. And so it wasn't really, you know, even, even in praise and worship services, there were times that I would, I would lift my hands and, and I would do what I did. And yeah, I'm praising God, but I'm also thinking, I wonder how I look. Don't, don't look at me in that tone of voice. You've done the same thing. We're all prone to this. We all get concerned about things that really aren't important, and yet they become very important to us because we walk by sight and not by faith. And because we look at other people the way we look at them and look at situations and evaluate them superficially, we're subject to being tripped up by thinking that other people are doing that, and so we want to not appear foolish we want to appear spiritual. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to take that because I'm telling you truth. And I'm exposing the frailties in my life, but I'm also exposing the frailties in all of our lives. And if we aren't willing to see the truth and acknowledge the truth, we'll never get free of the lies that we're being entangled in. And God wants you free. Not just today, but every day. Walking free from the fear of what people think. Walking free of the fear of what's going on in the world around us. Because the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. God doesn't want you in fear. God wants you to be able to walk in this world not ignorant of the enemy's devices, but knowing that you can tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy that nothing by any means will harm you. There's a security and a stability, a confidence, a hope that you and I can walk in this world in no matter what's going on. The world can be falling apart, but you are in this world. You're not of this world. And, and that's where when we get our perspectives right, and we start to see things the way God does because he'll help us. In Psalm 32, verse 8, it says this. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Now, if somebody's going to instruct 
you and me and teach you and me and guide us, it's not just on them. How many of you know people sit in classrooms every day and have instruction, but they don't grow? How many of you know that you can get a guide and they can guide you on a trip, but you've got to participate. You've got to do something. What do you have to do if, a gu- if you hire a guide and you want to be guided by that guide, what is your portion in that? You've got to follow them. Which means if you're going to follow the guide, who's in the lead? The guide is. Which is going to rub some of us really raw. Because we don't want nobody telling us nothing because we can take care of ourselves. Oh, that was a little dramatic, but... Uh. <laughs> you know, little kids, you hear them? One of them's telling the other one what to do. Our granddaughter, Elin, is amazing. She is going to be a world changer. <laughs> she really is. She's a lot like her grandma. <laughs> and, and she's not afraid to share her opinion. Because her opinion ought to be your opinion. She's cute. She is cuter than cute. But I'm telling you right now, she'll run everybody that'll let her run them. And folks, we, we have one Lord in our lives. It's not us. It's not somebody else. And he's the one that knows better than any of us because he sees clearly. There's nothing hidden to him. And it says, I'll instruct you, I'll teach you in the way you should go. But it doesn't guarantee you're going to go that way. Because you and I have to choose, are we going to follow him? Are we going to follow his instructions, even though it may not seem right unto us, but there's a way that seems right unto us, whose end is the way of death? Or we can look at things that don't always make sense to us, aren't always in alignment with how we've done things, but God's way is best. It goes on to say, I'll guide you with my eye. There's a difference between God's eye and your eye. God's eye and my eye. My eye sees what it sees, but it sees in part. The Bible tells us in the days that we live in, we see in a glass or in a mirror darkly. We, we don't see the full picture, but God sees the full picture. If we need guidance, we need God's guidance because he sees clearly. He will lead us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And we're going to get on all sorts of paths if we're guiding ourselves because we think we know the right way to go, and yet sometimes it's the wrong way to go because of how the enemy works and how we have to not rely on ourselves anymore. The enemy works with trying to bait us with what things look good, like, like the fruit for Eve. Think about this for a second. The last time you were tempted or not just tempted, you fell into sin. That temptation that the enemy brought to you, did it look all nasty and gnarly and... Huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Whenever temptation comes to me, it looks great. 
you're not dealing with the same devil? Man, he comes and makes it look so good, so inviting, so much like, man, that you can't, you can't afford to pass this up. You're going to have so much fun. It's going to enrich your life so much. And what it does, because remember, he's the father of all lies. It's going to rob you of more than you ever dreamed. It's going to cost you more than you ever thought. And it's going to bring destruction. It's going to steal. It's going to destroy. And that's where we can't, we can't rely on ourselves. We have to rely on God that he would guide us and instruct us and guide us with his eye. Guide us with his eye. Now, the New Living Translation, it won't be up on your screens, but it says this. It, this scripture says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Now, another obvious question easily answered how many times do we not want to take the best pathway never right i always want to take the best pathway but i don't because i'm not always looking to god to guide me because i think i got to figure it out right don't we all think we've got to figure it out Think about the last time you thought you had to figure it out. You had a lock on it. This is going to be the best thing I've ever done. And it just, the wheels came off. But you were convinced. I was convinced. Because who were we relying on? Us. Us. And we can't trust us. We, we have to look at track records. Now, it's hard when we do this. We can look at other people's track records and not bat an eye and say, man, you've screwed up a lot. <laughs> I would never trust your decisions. But when it comes to us looking in the mirror and, and saying, how's your track record? We have to be honest and say our track record isn't all it should have been. But when we look at God, his track record is perfect. Why would we ever chance it on us making a decision versus the one who always makes the right decision. Because we're deceived. And we've got to move into that place where we're choosing to really make the Lord our Lord. We're, we're following. We're being guided by him and governed by him and guarded by him because he's the only one that can do it the way, the way that it needs to be done. So this says, in, in, I will instruct you, I will teach you in the way you will go, and I will guide you with my eye. The New Testament tells us as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. If we're going to be builders of the kingdom, then we need to be led by the Spirit of God. And, and today we're going to look at a portion of Scripture where, much like us, Israel was being guided by God and they experience what God can bring, which is supernatural victory. Blessing and abundant life. But then they thought they figured it out and they told God, go ahead and take a seat. I'll take it from here. In Joshua chapter 9, uh, in Joshua, it's, it's where Joshua takes over uh, for Moses. Moses has passed God told Moses, you're not going to take my children into the promised land. And Joshua is now leading them into the promised land. 
They get into the promised land, and does anybody remember what is the first city they face that they have to conquer? Big walled city. Yes, Jericho. Jericho was an imposing impossibility to the Israelites when they looked at it. It was a walled city, and when I say walled city, it's not like these walls. The walls of Jericho were so big, they had chariot races on the top of the walls. Okay, so they had chariots side by side racing around the city. The people inside were intimidating to the Israelites. And they get up there and they look at this and they say, oh my gosh, you know, we don't, we don't, we're not people of war. We're, we're slaves that have been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And now we've got to fight these people. This is impossible. And God tells them, this is what you do. How many of you know God's plan doesn't always make sense? <laughs> Not to us, because we have limited understanding. We can only see a little bit. And God tells them, here's the plan. I want you to walk around the city wall one time every day for six days. Then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around the city wall seven times. And at the end of that, I want you to shout. Now, the one thing he did say when they were walking, they couldn't talk. God is a wise God. Because, you know, the first day they're out there and they're walking around and they're looking at the walls to see if something happens. And guess what happened? Nothing. So, all right, all right, God, we're with you. Next day, they're walking around the wall. Any cracks in the walls? Nothing. What do you think happened on the third day? Well, I can tell you if there were a bunch of me's there, we would have been walking around the wall saying, are you kidding me? Nothing's happening. God, what are you doing? Oh, come on. We'd all do that. Somewhere along the line, we'd start to murmur and complain because we had it figured out that God would do something and we'd see it. But how many of you know God doesn't operate on our time schedules or the ways that we want? The Bible says his ways are higher than ours. And so on the seventh day, they're walking around. They're not talking. Because God didn't want them murmuring and complaining. But finally, on the seventh day, the seventh trip around, they shout to the Lord. And guess what happens? <laughs> the walls come down. And they go up and they conquer the city. Woohoo! And what happens after a victory? We celebrate. We get so excited. Look what we did. It's like the elephant and the mouse that walked across the suspension uh, bridge. The mouse walked across in front of the elephant, got to the other side and said, see how we shook that bridge? <laughs> you know, we, we have the privilege and the honor of partnering with God and with God, what's possible? All things. With us, what's possible? <laughs> Nothing of any lasting value without God. And, and so they have this great victory. And then they realize there's another town. They've got to go to the next town. The next town is called Ai. And uh, they look at the town. They you know, kind of uh, scope it out. And they determine this is a little place compared to Jericho. We're just going to send some of the troops up. Everybody, No need for everybody to go. We'll just go up there, you know, 
take care of it and we'll be back. And they go up and they had way more, more troops than the people in the town. And they get up there and the first thing they know, 36 people are killed from their troops. And they turn around and they run back. And it was because they didn't inquire of God. They didn't get God's direction. God would have told them there's sin in the camp because of that sin. Until you take care of that sin, you'll not have victory. Because sin robs us of victory. And so at that point, they take care of the sin. They go up the way God directs them. They take care of Ai. And we picked this, this situation up in Joshua chapter 9, verse 3, we're going to look at it says preceding this that all the kings in, in Canaan were aware of the victory they had at Jericho and at Ai, and they began to align themselves as allies to be able to face the Israelites. But there was one group, and it was the Gibeonites. When the inhabitants of Gibeon had heard what Joshua had done at Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sackcloths, or old sacks on their, their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old patched sandals on their feet, old garments on themselves, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua, to the camp of Gilgal, and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. God had already told Israel, you can't make covenants with any of the people of the land. And so here they are. They're, they're, they're greeted by this group. And it says that the, the Gibeonites had heard and they worked craftily. The King James says wily. And when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah. I remember somebody who was really wily, but never made out well. Yes, wily coyote. And he would plot and plan and try and trap the roadrunner. And every time the roadrunner would just go right through. And I want to tell you something. That's like the enemy is always plotting and planning. To entrap you and to snare you and keep you from what God has for you. But you, like the roadrunner, if you'll be guided by God... You'll never forget, Pastor was talking about a roadrunner. I'm going to be a roadrunner. You can go through the traps and snares of the enemy. And you can be walking in the victory that God has. But right here, we see, look at what they did. They pretended to be ambassadors. They took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old patched sandals, old garments, bread that was dry and moldy. Now, these people were just a matter of miles away. But what are they doing? They're, they're pretending. They're deceiving. And, and this is amazing to me. When I think about this, I think, did they have all this stuff on hand just happen to be there at that time? Or is this not the first time they've tried to deceive somebody? Because they're doing a masterful job. All these props, they're getting... Oh, we got to go up. We got to show them that we've come from a long, long way. Get those old patched sandals. Get those old clothes. Uh, get those wineskins that have broken open and they've patched them over. 
What a presentation. That doesn't happen in our day, does it? People don't present themselves as something they really aren't. Isn't that why we have to do so many background checks? We don't really know the people that are presenting themselves to us. They, they look great because what innately we desire to always put our best foot forward. And it's good we do because sometimes that foot ends up in our mouth. But if we're putting our best foot forward, that means there's something not so good that's kind of back behind the scenes. And you know what? We all have stuff that we really don't want other people to know. But God knows it and he loves us in spite of it. But we can't just ignore things. We have to be aware. The Bible says we're to be as wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And so this is going on. And then in verse 7, it says this. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, perhaps you're dwelling among us. So how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, we're your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you and where do you come from? So what's Joshua relying on? What are the men of Israel relying on in this interaction with these people? Right? What they see, now what they hear from people they don't know that could be misrepresenting who they are, and they are. This is not unlike what happens to us in this world. People present what we they want us to see. They tell us what we want to hear. And they're misrepresenting. Now, who is that? I, you know what? There's no lack of opportunities. When, when, at times, when marketing is done, it's that. They show us, you need this toothpaste. Because look at all the friends you're going to have. Just because you have this toothpaste. Well, that's a little bit of a stretch. Maybe if you don't brush your teeth, you'll have more people around you once you use this toothpaste. Some of you are like, oh, I wouldn't let my kids do that. But, but that's where church, we've got to realize we're prone to presenting false fronts. Why? Because we want people to like us, want people to accept us. And, and we don't want people to judge us. But that's where... We don't judge to condemn, but we do evaluate. And we should evaluate. We should be as wise as serpents and gentle as doves. So they tell him, we're your servants. And they wanted to be because they didn't want to be conquered. In verse 12 and 13, no, verse 12 and 13, it says, uh, the, they began to show them and said, this bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. True? No. But how, did they have any way of knowing that? No. But now look, it is dry and moldy, and the wineskins which we filled were new. See, they're torn, and these garments of ours and our sandals have become old because the very long... You know, they first said... We're from a long way away. Now it's a very long way away. You know, it keeps getting embellished. 
And, and the only one that knows the truth is God. And he's willing. If we, the Bible says if we lack wisdom, we can ask. And God will give it to us freely and fully. But unfortunately, we have this resource with us. And many times we do what we can until it doesn't work out the way we expected. And then we turn to God and say, hey, you got to help me. When God said, I was here before you made that decision, I could have helped you. And this is where there's an adjustment that's necessary in our lives. That we need to have people that, that God would use. And God, his word, his spirit, people that God has placed in our lives to help us see what we don't see. We all have blind spots. And one of the things I've said before and I will always say, because it's true, it's true for me and it's true for you. We all have to have somebody that can speak into our lives and tell us no. Tell us what we don't want to hear, what we don't see to be true, because we're only seeing in part. And I'm not just saying anybody can speak into your life, but I'm telling you this, that you and I are dangerous to ourselves and everybody else if we are unteachable. If we aren't able to have somebody, aren't willing to have somebody tell us things that we may not agree with. But we know that, number one, these people love God. They've proven they love God because their lives are aligned with God. They, they know God's word and they love us. Because in that moment, they're loving us more than we realize. Because the Bible says the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. It's uncomfortable when somebody tells you something you don't want to hear and maybe you don't believe is true, but it's actually true and it's keeping you from the destruction that that choice is going to bring. And this is a very hard thing because our flesh, you know, it's just like the two kids that are playing and the one kid is telling the other kid, just like sometimes Elon does. And you hear another kid say, you're not the boss of me. No, not a boss, but a true friend that loves. It's going to tell truth and keep you from getting ensnared and entangled and tripped up in sin and, and deception that, that you would lose. Then in verse 14, it says this. And the men of Israel took some of their provisions but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. They should have known. Jericho, they were guided by God. God guided them. God governed them. They had the victory supernaturally. Ai, they did their own thing. What they could see, what they could understand, how they thought it would work out. It didn't work. People died. Now they're here. They're not asking God. I can see. Lord, what do you think? Well, you gave me eyes. Yeah, he did. But he also gave you his spirit so that we don't rely on our sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're aware. We take it into consideration. But when God's guidance goes against our perceptions, that's when the rubber meets the road. Are we really going to trust God? Peter! It's me. Peter previously said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come and walk on the water. 
Jesus said, it's me, come on. Peter walked out, and he was fine until what happened? Until he looked at the waves instead of the Lord. He began to sink. Same thing happens with us. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, let him guide you with his eye. Verse 16, it says, And it happened at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were neighbors, that they, they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. Isn't that what happens? We make these decisions, and sooner than we realize, we find out it's not working out, not what I expected, not what I thought. But I can tell you, you can guard yourself from that by allowing God, God to guide you, God to to help you to see truly, not just what you think. Because, again, in Proverbs, there's a way that appears or seems right to man whose end is the way of death. If we really believe that, we can't rely on just what we see. Yeah, see it, look, study, perceive, but then inquire of God. God should have the last say. Man plans his way, but God directs his step. But many times we're planning our way and God is left behind. And we find out our plan didn't work out. And it, it, it's, it's common. I don't mean to make anyone here or at home feel condemned because you're not. But I do desire and expect conviction to come to our hearts. Condemnation is us realizing we're wrong but having no hope that it'll ever change. And that's the enemy. Conviction comes when we realize we're wrong but we know God can help us change. And so we have a hope in that, a confident expectation. And just last scripture I want to share with you is in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It's a pretty common scripture, and I, I chose to look at it in the Passion Translation, and it says this, Trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. You know, one of the things that's happening in our society, in our world right now, is people are elevating their opinions to truth. And because of that, there are divisions, and there are fights, and there are all sorts of things going on that shouldn't be. Because we all have opinions. And as much as you think your opinion is more important than my opinion, and I might think my opinion is more important than your opinion, none of our opinions really matter because they may not be true. Only what God says is true. And that'll keep us free. Don't rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you. And he will lead you in every decision you make. He'll guide you with his eye. He'll, he'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'd like you to just bow your heads. You know, we are where we are in all of our lives by a combination of things. Sometimes being guided by God, sometimes being guided by ourselves. Now, if we find ourselves in places that we don't believe it's where God would want us to be, then we need to turn to God. 
We need to uh, trust in him and allow him to guide us and, and govern us. You know, there are times God's going to say no. And we're going to think, well, that's not fair. That's not right. But you know what? God's always right. God will always lead you in the best path, not the easiest path, not always the most enjoyable path, but the best path for your life. But we have to let him. And the first way, God will never force his will or his way or his kingdom on any of us until we turn to him, turn out of us running our own lives and repent, turn around and turn to him and trust our lives to him. There is very little that he can do because we're, we're not receptive. If you're here today or you're at home and you've never turned to Christ to trust in him, to receive what he's done for you, for all of us on the cross where he died and paid the price for our sin to free us, to be able to reconnect with God the Father so that we would begin to experience in ever-increasing glory his abundant life, Today is the day you can do that. And I'm going to invite everyone to pray with me. But if, if you've never trusted in Christ, I would, I would encourage you to pray today to the best of your ability, heartfelt, even though it's just repeating words, do it believing what you're saying. And the Bible says that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. There's a new life that you will begin today. So let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. Today, Lord Jesus, I repent of running my own life, doing my own thing, and I turn to you and I trust in you to be my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now, again, what we want you to do is it's important just quickly before anything goes by, you let somebody know that you prayed, that you, you, you turned to Christ, you gave your life to Christ, and that now you have given him the right to govern and guide your life, and he'll guard your life. Let somebody know that. And you may say, well, I don't know anybody. That's okay. Because those of us that do know Christ, now that you do, we're celebrating you. That's why we clap. In heaven, there's a big party going on. But, uh, and if you're at home and you prayed, let us know. We want to be able to pray for you. Uh, go to the website, reslifeny.org. Go down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. Give us your name so we can pray for you by name. And if you want us to contact you, give us some contact information, and we'll get back with you this week. God is so good. God has greater things for us than we can imagine or dream. That's what the Bible says. The Bible's true. But the only way we'll walk in it is not because we see the way, but because we're willing to trust God to guide us in the way. Amen? Would you stand? Remember, guys, last day to sign up.
Don't want to miss it. Father, I thank you for every one of your children here, those that are online listening and watching. Father, I thank you for your presence that's with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. I thank you for the pricelessness you see us as, that, Father, you see us as equal in value to Jesus. Father, help us open our eyes to see people the way you see them, to guide us with your eye when we encounter situations and circumstances that seem overwhelming, obstacles and opposition. But, Father, we know that you're with us and for us and nothing can stand against us, and you would cause us to be overwhelmingly more than conquerors through Christ who loves us and gave himself for us. Father, as we go this week, we go, knowing that you go ahead of us and prepare the way. That you're also our rear guard. That you uphold us with your right hand of righteousness, the right hand of blessing, and you cover us. Father, you're, you're proclaiming and singing songs of life and, and of peace and of joy and of health. And victory. And Lord, help us. Help us to realize we never walk alone. You're always there. You see far more than we do. You can do far more than we can do. And you are never wrong. So, Father, help us to come to that place where we really are relying on you, trusting in you completely. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen. Have a great week.